Welcome to this podcast on digital responsibility. There's a vibrant community across the world at the moment driving forward corporate digital responsibility, which includes a range of aspects from digital ethics, digital for the environment, sustainability, digital well-being, inclusion, accessibility, and more. My name is Rob Price, one of the founders of Corporate Digital Responsibility back in 2017. If you'd like to know more, have a look at the website corporatedigitalresponsibility.net. Welcome to episode three of the fourth season of the Digital Responsibility podcast. And, and Christopher and I are delighted to be joined tonight by Charles Radcliffe. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about the brilliant work you've been doing uh, with benchmarking CDR for, well, lots of businesses in Switzerland. We'll come to that shortly. But over to you, Charles, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Rob. And Christopher, really, really nice to talk to you this evening. Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, so I'm Charles Radcliffe. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Ethics Grade, and we are a ESG uh, ratings and research company um, with a particular focus on all things tech governance related. So um, CDR really feels like it's, um, yeah, it's kind of uh, the niche that we we love working around. And um, yeah, love to talk more later on about uh, the work we've been doing in Switzerland. Great. Thank you, Charles. Um, and I was I had the opportunity to read ahead of today's podcast about the um, digital expectations piece that um, you guys recently published. Could you tell us a bit more about what you were seeking to achieve through that um, and your experience of bringing it together? Because from from, uh, from my experience, it was probably one of the best, the best uh, articulated demonstrations of what good digital behavior should look like for organizations today. So I'm interested to hear more about your experience of that. Yeah, well, I think we've been very lucky with this project because we've had a a good client who um, has already done a lot of the foundational work and the foundational thinking. Um, And so for us, it was was a a very straightforward process. Um, I think the thing I I should say that's different about what we do to many other ESG companies is rather than us kind of pushing our view of the world to our clients, we actually work in the opposite way. So what we like to do is understand the concerns and the risks and the uh, impacts that our clients want to have. And then we try to um, bring that to life through the data and through the research we do. And so we were very fortunate with, um, with Ethos that they um, had already done that foundational work back in, I think, 2020. They published their, their seven... Um, expectations for corporate digital responsibility and you know that was based on you know research and an engagement within the Swiss market um, and uh, and you know the academic community within Switzerland and you know building on the shoulders of many other people who've who've been thinking and concerned about this space and I guess um, for the corporates that we've covered the um, top uh, 48 uh, listed businesses in Switzerland um, you know that gave them a, I guess, a clue as to what what to expect next, and to uh, and to put those foundational pieces in place. And really, our job was was simply to to to, to do the research, to gather the data, and then to help um, Ethos digest that, and obviously now present that in the report they've just recently published. It's it's probably. Um about a year and a half that we've been talking about benchmarking in terms of ethical use of AI and then progressing on to CDR. And, and, and obviously during that time, we've also seen 
a greater awareness, especially in Central Europe, Germany, Switzerland, around CDR itself. What did you find in the conversations that you had with those organisations about their level of awareness? Not necessarily about the term itself, but, but actually the component parts that constitute it. And, um, uh, and I, I, I think kind of especially thinking about the reception that you got when you first approached those conversations almost. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's it's probably no surprise to many people that um, you know we're still in that very much emerging phase um, where this is being recognised as a as a priority, um, and also it depends on the industry of the organisations we're dealing with. And I think for us, what was really fascinating about this exercise was, you know, there's quite a big mix of you know real tech companies like Swisscom and uh, Logitech. Um, to you know, organisations which um, you know I've been a very happy customer of over the years, uh, people like Lint, who make chocolates, um, and Nestlé, who are very different organisations. And so, I think the materiality of CDR issues, you know, has varied greatly within the community. But I think there's um, there's one thing which um, is absolutely true of um, of all the companies we've spoken with in this in this project, which is. Um, they all recognise that the post-pandemic economic recovery is going to be really driven by digitalization. I mean, the pandemic has been driven by digitalization. Let's, let's start there. Um, but really, the kind of the winners and losers, um, not just within Switzerland, but on the international stage, are really going to be defined by those organisations who digitalise the most successfully. And that doesn't just mean those who get clever with the tech, that means those who are acting responsibly about the tech. And I think that understanding is, is there. To what extent organisations have actually then gone further and actually put governance in place? Yes, there's a great, there's a great variation there. Um, but one of the things, and this comes out in the reports, um, one of the things that we were really pleased by, um, and I think this is something which we don't always see, is we, you know, we're concerned that we're asking questions and we're pointing at risks that we see broadly because you know we're subject matter experts you know you know you've you've also um you know been in the space a long time you know so, so we, we kind of very much um you know we understand the issues and we can i guess deep, steep you know immerse ourselves deeply in those issues so for us it's really easy to internalize you know what an organization might do um but sometimes it's Sometimes it's hard, you know, having that conversation with an organisation for the first time, and in, in, you know, they might not have that recognition that everything that we look at is relevant. But one thing we definitely saw very clearly within that community of forty-eight organisations was pretty much all the aspects of best practice that we're looking for, the impact we're, we're seeking to drive. It was there; it just wasn't all concentrated in the same company. Um, and for us, that was, I think, a really positive um, note and. And hopefully what this will drive is, um, you know, potentially greater collaboration within the Swiss markets um, between those corporates as they start to look at, you know, who is acting uh, with the right level of governance, who is putting the right things in place. And hopefully they will learn from each other so that next time around when we do this study, you know, we can start to, to show those, that jigsaw coming together in a, in a, in a single corporate. I guess for a lot of these organisations, uh, for, for some time now, ESG will have represented almost a journey that they will have been going on from that initial formative phase of, of understanding and 
and clarifying what it means to them to uh, kind of learning from others, seeing what good practice looks like and understanding why they why it adds value to them what's in it what's in it for them because i remember way back in the day there was some skepticism about even things like environmental concerns why would i worry about that it's not my it's maybe that that stakeholder in my work isn't so important to me do you see that being something that organizations are starting to understand and mature into and do you see them at the start of that journey now Yes. Um, and I think what's interesting is it happens for different reasons. So, you know, some of the organizations we spoke, and, and, you know, I think that we, we've learned now that it's who we deal with is the biggest clue as to what the driver is. So if we're working with, you know, public policy professionals within an organization, then it's, it's those concerns that are going to be driving the conversation internally. Um, if we're dealing with a marketing function, then there's a very strong um, indication to us is how the organization sees the, the risks and the opportunities associated with it. Um, one of the organizations we dealt with was um, with their chief people officer. And for them, you know, they saw part of the narrative here around attracting talent and also retaining talent. Um, and I thought, you know, that was a very interesting, you know, and also in the context of that organization, you know, it was very clear why, why they had that, that view. Um, so I think you know it's it, it's um, it's good to see the recognition. It's just it's just clear that in each organisation it's it, it's driven by different um, different factor. I think the thing that makes this exercise as a category difference to um, to to you know this is the, I think the first um, you know uh, digital responsibility work that's been woven into an ESG agenda uh, driven by an investment firm. Um, I, I don't think there's, there's another example of this that's been out yet. I think what's great about this is it's really forced the head of ESG or the head of sustainability or the head of investor relations to sit down with the chief digital officer or the chief technology officer and have this conversation. And I don't think that has happened before, um, but perhaps the conversation that has happened before is between you know, this, the, the chief people officer and the CTO or the head of marketing and the chief digital officer. This is the first time the investor relations professionals have been around the table. And that's great. I, th- I think it, it's, I'm very heartened by that feedback. One of the key things or the three key things that I talk about in the context of the reasons why we have to change are access to talent. You've covered access to money. Uh, kind of covered as, as well in terms of the investor kind of side um, and reputational damage um, are often driven by the large fines that people have seen and, and will continue to see as some of the other um, regulations kind of emerge. Was, was there any other pattern beyond those three in terms of a trigger, uh, as you say, a different perspective by the types of people that was maybe on a par with that or do, do those three things capture the necessity to change now? Um, I'll have to I'll have to think a little bit more about that question after after we speak. Um, I'm sure something else will come to mind. Um, but no, I think that's that's broadly that's broadly true. I think the thing which um, I mean the thing about ESG is that it's really about um, it's really about recognizing that you know a group of stakeholders, as in investors, are now starting to want to make sure that the capital that they invest aligns to 
values and, and has has impact accordingly. And I think this is now, you know, we, 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 started, we saw quite a few examples in 2021 of that connection um, between ESG and CDR or related topics to CDR starting to intersect. Um, and so, um, so I think this, um, I don't think organizations, I don't think um, any of the corporates we spoke with were looking at this as a way of accessing cheaper capital necessarily. I don't think that was, that was the framing, but I certainly think that they, some of them woke up because it was their stakeholders from the investment community yes. that were driving these questions. And I think that, that was the thing which, which really was interesting. The other group that we haven't really touched on is, um, is the kind of compliance regulatory Agenda, and I think what's really interesting is you know we're living in sort of the end days of zero regulation around tech, or, or limited regulation around tech. I should more accurately say, and so even though we're probably I don't know two years away from seeing regulations in the EU around AI, you know it's not that's not yet driving so much of this activity. Um, but actually, investors are maybe. Um, looking ahead of the curve and, uh, and starting to realize that it, 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 it's cheaper and better to, to, to make sure that their investments have the governance in place now than to wait a couple of years when everyone panics and, and has to implement it with a deadline looming. So, so, so tell me a bit more about the mechanism by which you benchmarked organizations, because I, 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 I think I heard at one stage there was, there was a questionnaire of sorts that, that you were looking for organizations to complete um, and I'm very familiar, having done some some similar exercises. I mean, the breadth of CDR is is quite a challenge. So, so to ask individuals or even a lot of individuals in an organisation to cover their breadth must be quite a challenge. But how how did you do it? Yeah. So, I mean, our our job is to is to build and maintain and to grow a model. And a model is a very fancy way of describing a list of questions. But put simply, that's 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 what a model is. Um, the questions have to be articulated in such a way as so that we can compare apples with apples, and that's really where the skill lies. Um, and essentially, then we apply weightings to the questions. Things are grouped, um, and um, you know, and and that's driven by, in this case, the clients um, who you know had already. Yeah, the principles set out and therefore the groupings of the questions and all those sort of things um, you know, falls, falls off that. In terms of the research itself, the research is firstly conducted based on publicly available information, which probably no surprise to you both or anyone listening is, is quite limited in most cases. Um, but we think it's important for us to do the kind of the hard work first before we make an approach to the corporate. So we can show them you know, what is available and what we do see. Um, and then we invite them to the survey. Um, and of course, some of those organizations come to the survey kicking and screaming. Some of them just outright ignore it. Um, but, you know, in this case, we've had, you know, 25% engage with the survey process, which, um, you know, compared to sustainability reporting, not in the Swiss market, but more generally, um, is, is above benchmark. So 20% of companies, uh, you know, um, disclose and report their sustainability targets, if you're talking about environmental sustainability, so actually get 25% looking at a much more niche issue like um, like CDR, niche from, not from my perspective, but from their perspective, yeah. um, I think is a really great, um, great success. Um, and I think one of the things that we are very keen to do, you know, as we build out our platform and 
and, uh, and and take on the feedback from corporates. You know, corporates are not our clients, but we do want to make it easier for them to engage with us and to, to provide us with data. For us, you know, the, the ultimate goal is for those corporates to report and disclose publicly, transparently, and consistently via the website and 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 you know those sort of marketing tools they already got. Um, but if they aren't able to do that one, willing to do that, we want to make sure that our survey process is as easy for them as possible. And so really for us moving into next year, you know, as, as we deepen some of the issues that we look at um, and, and, and really unpack those more, and maybe as we start to think more broadly about other risks and, you know, and the nature of the space we work in is things are going to go wrong within the tech community and also non-tech companies implementing tech over the next few months. Every time one of those stories happens and breaks, we then will add to our model so our model will grow what we don't want to do is burden the corporates with this unwieldy list of questions that just keeps getting longer and longer and deeper and deeper um, so um, what we're going to be doing in the next study next year is, is really starting to prioritize um, the issues that we approach each company with so that the most material questions to their organization are the ones which we focus on and that materiality can happen in many that materiality assessment rather can happen in many different ways, but the way that we're really keen to do that is driven by the, the stakeholders of that organization. And so the more that we can build a picture, not just of what their investors care about, but what their employees care about, what their customers care about, and what the market cares about, the, um, the more accurate that prioritization of, of questions is going to be to them. And just as a final point on that, it means that it, some of the organizations that we spoke with this year you know, declines to participate because they were simply pressed for time. Um, and we want to give the ability for an organization, if they've only got time to answer 10 questions on CDR, we want to be able to give them the facility to be able to do that. Of course, we're not going to get the same richness of insight into their governance and the practices, but at least we'll get a grasp of where they are. Or you know, if they can't answer 10 questions, then it's probably no hope of, of getting any engagement from them. Well, indeed. And um, as you've been describing, uh, for organisations to be much more transparent and open about their approaches to digital will be a very important step in its own right. Um, I've always found that this discussion around digital responsibility can feel like a very cold topic. It's technology, it's cybersecurity or, or kind of artificial intelligence. It doesn't feel very real when actually you can characterize corporate digital responsibility is absolutely about protecting people and holding organizations to account for um, kind of the vulnerable people in our society that need someone to to fight on their behalf the people most likely to be automated out of a job or to have their their data privacy um, uh, kind of put at risk by digital transformation of these organizations um, and uh, what you, the bit you mentioned earlier about who you were speaking to within the organisations and what that, how that reflected on their beliefs on that topic. I guess your work is just as important for bringing these organisations up to speed and getting the, the ball rolling with their compliance, but also about making society aware of what these organisations are doing and what they should expect of them going forward. It probably has that dual purpose. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's why, you know, I think for us, um, you know, we've been very fortunate with this project um, that, you know, Ethos have wanted to 
publish a report publicly. Um, you know, so you know, organisations like Ethos and organisations within the investment community, you know, will look at many different aspects of engaging with the companies that they own, um, and um, and working with them on topics in order to try and drive impact and to de-risk and to make the world a better place. Um, uh, but not all of them. You know, publish their research and their insights, and 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 go to market with that. And I think that's what we've been very fortunate in in having the opportunity to to do in this case. I mean, now that's something for us, which is kind of core to our DNA. When we launched, when we first launched uh, in March last year, um, you know, that was a step that we felt was really important was to publish, maybe not the detail of our research on each company that we covered, but at least a headline. Um, because we felt that um, the best way to get the word out about what we were doing was to help, you know, consumers and people who were interested in 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 these questions to start to compare TikTok against Twitter or Toyota against Tesla, etc. Um, but again, those are not our target. Those aren't our target market. You know, we we want to help um, consumers and people who are interested in the space to to discern what's going on in in companies they're following, but um, you know the, the the service we're really providing is to 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 investors. But if we can give back into the community, um, then obviously we're very very happy to do to do just that. But I think what's yeah particularly great about this piece of work is uh, you know, it's client driven, and the client has wanted to to have that in the public domain, and yeah, that surely will will drive impact. And and I can imagine impact in a number of ways, in the sense that those organisations who have engaged this year will be looking to make changes and to engage in a way that improves their score next time around. And others who maybe didn't engage this time will be conscious of how their uh, position was perhaps perceived if they hadn't previously. So so business kind of does does something different. I'm, I'm also very interested in the difference between what the business might say and what the employees might feel in, in terms of is the integrity there in the intent but also kind of in terms of the, the, the consumer belief, uh, which may or may not be aligned. Is, is there anything within the work that you're doing that starts to kind of look at the flow through that to ensure, because I'm very conscious um, core to the principles that Ethos kind of published was purpose and, and, and trust kind of very much kind of flown through to the international CDR manifesto. How, how do you how do you, how do you get to a stage where you've got that greater confidence that what is stated is is executed and is executed to benefit all? Yeah, I mean that's 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 the goal. <laughs> At the end of the day, that is absolutely the goal. But you've got to you've got to start somewhere, and I think you start got to, you've got to put these things together. And I think what I learned, you know, early in my career before I started ethics, when I was at um, Fidelity um, and looking at ESG really for the first time, was that you know you've got different people in the ESG space providing data to the investment community, and typically not providing. You know, you typically what you typically find people like like what I've now created ethics grade, looking at the kind of corporate governance that exists in organisations, and looking at essentially what corporates will say about themselves and make the disclosures and reporting about themselves, and that's a really helpful lens. But it's it's not a complete lens. I mean, what that what it, for, for one thing, it's not a, a real time indication of how well risk is mitigated. You know, we can really only assess 
the questions we assess on a quarterly basis because it doesn't make any sense doing it more frequently than that. Organisations don't, you know, if I take one of the organisations like, I don't know, Novartis, I mean, they've, they've done already quite a lot of work around AI ethics and their AI ethics principles, for example. Um, you know, we're not going to see every month necessarily that kind of incremental change. What we're going to see is kind of a cadence of maybe quarterly updates as their strategy unfolds. And so that that obviously means that there's a, there's a coarseness to the picture. Um, there are other people who look at sentiment. You know, they look at what is being said about an organisation, maybe on, um, you know, on, on Twitter or maybe Reddit or those sort of forums. Um, obviously, you've got organisations like Glassdoor, which look at a, a very limited set of stakeholders, employees. Um, but again, that gives you a kind of real-time... So if, you, if you're looking at an issue like, um, you know, misogyny in the workplace or sort of diversity kind of risks that, that might exist in a workplace, and obviously they get a kind of a live data as people are disgruntled and start to talk about that and communicate that and express that. You know, we don't get that. All we get is a kind of a view of, of the governance. But I think what's interesting is if you start to put these things together, then you can start to build a, a much more complete picture. And you know, that's our longer term goal is to be able to build those things out. But our shorter term goal is, you know, we've got now a really good coverage and a really understanding of the top 50 Swiss companies. We'd love to go more broadly across the Swiss markets. There's you know, many other companies, many which are not publicly traded, which are also very impactful for the Swiss economy, um, but also the adjacent economies, uh, you know, in Germany and in, in, uh, in Austria and in France, you know, the more that we can build that picture of, um, you know, of that, of that sort of European region, um, the more that we can start, the more the benchmarking comes to life. And then hopefully then, it, you know, we can start when we build a picture of an organization, let's say here in the UK, like British Telecom, you know, having that um, triangulation with our assessment of Deutsche Telekom or Swisscom and, you know, other national um, operators, you know, starts to help us really understand so, the context of the quality of what they've got, what they've done. And, and of course, that's a brilliant link to my last question, because I was going to slightly biasedly uh, touch on the international CDR manifesto that both yourselves, Ethics Grade and uh, indeed Ethos, um, have, have kind of supported. Um, and one of the things that we've tried to do there, very much aligned with the principle around fair and equitable access to all, is, is very much to, to translate it into multiple languages, to try and ensure that we engage across multiple countries, um, to make it available for anybody who wants to reuse it uh, as part of their their work and their um, their journey, whatever stage that they are on it. Um, I, I guess my question is twofold. One is in terms of uh, taking the work that you've been doing, but actually kind of also al aligning it in some way to the manifesto in the principles that are defined through that, because I know the ethos definition and, and they're not dissimilar in terms of that entirety. But also, as you say, I mean, um, the adjacent countries make absolute sense because there is that strong focus around CDR. But I'm, ge I, I'm guessing that kind of the, the, that can go further afield as well. We know that there is interest and debate around CDR in South Korea, in, in, in China, in, in yes, in the other European commerce uh, countries and, and even to some extent in North America as well. I guess my question is, what, what, what for 2022, kind of, if, if you had an ambition, where would you hope to be um, ex extending to over the next few months? 
Yeah, I mean, I think for us it makes it makes a lot of sense um, to to try and stay focused on on the Dach region um, and also you know the the the, um, the companies that are headquartered in the French speaking parts of of Switzerland um, you know nat- more naturally aligned to France um, and, and the Francophile world as well. So I think for us that's that's where it would make the most sense because I think the the um, the sort of network effect of being able to compare apples with apples um, pays the biggest dividends, but. You know, our, our our goal is really to try and um, you know cover as many of the world's um, largest listed organisations as as possible, and so um, you know, and and being a UK headquartered company, of course, you know, we would like uh, would like to win mandates for covering the FTSE, you know, uh, 100, 250. That that would be you know a, a, a sort of more immediate goal. But um, you know, that, there's that's the problem with the ESG space. I mean, there's there's you know. Tens of thousands of of assets which um, investors, you know, are, are are interested in, and you know, you've got to start, you know, where the where the demand is 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 strongest. So, um, yeah, we'll see where the year we'll see where the year takes us. Um, but um, I think to your point, other point about um, the, the manifesto and and agreeing on a kind of common definition. I mean, this is this is great and ever so helpful for for us as an, as I said, the starting point for us having ethos with that. Those principles laid out is a really great, um, you know, foundational piece of work for us to do. But even within that, um, there's um, the richness is really around the weighting of things against each other. And so, even if you were to say, well, all of these principles are equally important, and every sub issue is of equal importance, aggregating to that principle, that's a judgment call. That's a ethical choice that you'd be making. And so, you know, our, our our vision really is that, that um, we shouldn't be trying to um, standardise that. We shouldn't be trying to advance our point of view too much to our clients. Of course, we'll we'll offer the benefit of our our experience with these things, but ultimately, we want to tease out what our clients care about. And I think within that, there's a lot of rich difference. And I think um, you know what we will see is that in some geographies or in some industries some of those principles may be seen to be more material, more important, more relevant than others. And of course, that difference will reflect through in the data as well. And I think that's the fairest thing is when you're looking at an organisation and you're really understanding not how does it compare against, you know, an organisation that's ostensibly similar in another geography with a different set of stakeholders, but really, what are the risks to that organisation from its own stakeholders? What are what are the people that are most intimately connected to that organisation concerned about, and how well is that organisation expressing those values, not just through what it says, but through how it acts and how it operates? Indeed, and uh, I think from the beginning, one of the key challenges we've seen C- with CDR and digital responsibility has been about turning all this great ambition and ethical intent into something measurable that can be tested and someone can provide a, a a consistent approach back to so so your work has been brilliant to hear about in that respect charles and we really appreciate your time on on the podcast today it's been wonderful to hear about your work thank you and thanks everyone for listening and um yeah we look forward to sharing more in a year's time when we can hopefully talk about the progress that we've made not just the state of the market which we can do right now